All right, folks, welcome to uh, post-game edition of the Boilers Extra podcast uh, here at jconline.com. Uh, Mike Carmen, beat writer for the Purdue football team, joined by Sam King. We covered the game today. Um, I would sum this up as a devastating day for Purdue in a lot of different ways. Number one being they, we don't know the, ex- the, the, the official extent of the injuries to uh, Elijah Sindelar and Rondell Moore. Uh, it appears, you know, Sindelar injured uh, his left shoulder, uh, getting sacked in the first quarter. On the same play, Rondell uh, hurt his left leg in some fashion. He immediately grabbed for his knee, uh, could not put, uh, could not walk off the field. He needed help to walk off the field and collapsed uh, when he tried to walk off the field. So you start with the injuries, uh, it's, but it's, I, I, it's not the reason Purdue lost this game. Right. I, I don't think. Now, we'll get into all the nuts and bolts, but uh, kind of was it as devastating a day as uh, it appeared to be for Purdue, Sam? Uh, well, Rondell Moore is so much of what they do that when you lose that guy, that's you know it's it's very devastating. And uh, if it's you know if it's a very uh, very bad injury where you know you talk about the knee and you know what happens with knee injuries and in, in Purdue and we saw it with Marcus Bailey. Then you've got a guy that's you know, could be out for the year, and then you think long-term, you know, how does he come back from this? And, he's, you know, Rondell being the competitor he is, and I know he wanted to walk off that field, and, and he wasn't able to, and that tells you a lot right there that it wasn't good. And the fact, you know, anytime you put a guy on a cart and see him right away off the field, not not a good sign. So, um, you know, obviously Coach Brom said he did not know the extent of the injury there, does not know the extent of, of Elijah Sindelar, but was a little bit more open to saying it doesn't look good, which tells you. In Jeff Brom language, that that's <laughs> uh, that that's an extended period of time, based on uh, uh, <laughs> what we've heard the last uh, uh, two uh, two years. It's usually you're necked up, you're. You're, uh, dinged you're, up. You're, you're, you're dinged up, you're nicked up, and when it doesn't look good, that means it doesn't look good. Right. Uh, but how, how long that would be, I mean, we would be clearly speculating on, from an injury standpoint, uh, with Sindelar, if it is some sort of shoulder separation, breakage, or whatever, you know, you're looking, you know, uh, a month to to, to a month and a half to possibly two months and there's only two months left in the season so uh, if that's the case and then with Rondell we just don't know about the knee uh, and the leg it just it looked like a when you watch the replay of it it looked like a uh, it looked like a, a bit of a hyper hyper extension but he you know immediately grabbed for his knee and the fact that he couldn't walk off the field I think was a telling sign as far as uh, uh, of what it potentially could be and he also spent a lot of time in the injury tent in the medical tent yes and you, you, you know you would think that if they went in there immediately and did the testing that they they do they would have some sort of idea of what it was but maybe uh, maybe maybe produce worse fears won't come come to fruition on this and it's it's something that you know could bring him back at, at some point uh, during during the season. And Rondale is not a regular human. Uh, you know, True. If, if you or I hurt our knee, we're, we're not walking. We're riding a wheelchair around for a while. But uh, you know, this is a guy that squats 600 plus pounds, and uh, we've seen some some athletes do superhuman things before. I mean, Elijah Sindelar just a couple of years ago. Now I'm not saying that's what this is, but uh, I think if there's any way that he feels he can come back and, and contribute this year, 
you know, he, he's going to do it. But uh, until we know any more, we just can't can't go into detail right. on that. Well, I mean, we, we know what without those two what they have. Uh, and, you know, let's let but let's start with the defense because um, this was not a good performance by the defense. This was a, an extremely poor performance by the defense when you get right down to it. And it started from the opening drive. Uh, Minnesota came out passing. Uh, they got way too comfortable in the pass game. The receivers never got knocked off their route. Uh, there was some pressure. But that came a little bit later. But basically, Minnesota had its way in the passing game, and that 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 that, that kind of surprised me that it looked that easy. It was basically, you know, pitch and catch for for 60 minutes. Well, uh, I talked to George Karlaftis about this after the game, and he said their offensive line is so huge, averages 340. They've got a 370 and a 400 on the right side. Um, that you can't see the quarterback when they're, they're standing up. And, you know, usually as a defensive lineman, you're used to being a pretty tall guy, and uh, it, it just was tough for them to see. They, they held them to less than three yards uh, per carry, which is great. But, yeah, you held them to less than three yards per carry but gave up 400 and some passing yards or, or close to 400. Uh, that's not good. So, you know, Minnesota did not have to run the ball because it was having such huge gains in the passing game. And still, Minnesota had a 100-yard rusher. And I think those numbers got knocked down a little bit late when they were just trying to run the clock out and getting two and three yards of carry. But, um, yeah, after the TCU game, you're thinking Purdue's got to find a way to stop the run. Comes into this game, does a better job on the run, but that was that was an atrocious all-around defensive effort. And, you know, after the game and the press conference, Jeff Brom says, uh, you know, sometimes you got to guard your man better. Sometimes the defensive line's got to put more pressure on them. Sometimes the linebackers have to do their job. It was everybody, and uh, you know he kind of beat around the bush there, but that's what he got to was everybody was at fault for this, and then he talked about some of the guys that uh, had a seat on the bench today because they didn't do such no, a great I mean, he job made on some, they, they made some changes in yeah. the secondary right off the bat. Uh, Kenneth Major, who's, who's been a regular starter at corner, was was removed from the game. Yep. Uh, no, we haven't got anything yet. Um, what would you guys like to bring? We'll have a water. I'll have a water. I don't know what it is. I will have, have a water as well, please. Okay, we'll get that. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kenneth Major, I think, was just in on the first series. Yeah. And, uh, and know, he got that, burned. He got burned, and uh, uh, Minnesota went down and scored. Uh, and then we saw Corey Trice, who just got moved to cornerback late in training camp. Uh, and, you know, to throw him out there, I mean, he has good size, but he just doesn't have that kind of a kind of game experience yet. And then we saw later in the game that Diedrich Mackey got burned. And he got turned around on a double move, and it just went okay. nuts. Water's on their way. Is that all you guys want to drink? Yes, yes from a drinking standpoint, yes. Just the waters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have something to eat. <laughs> Are you taking the order? I am. All right. I'm going to have uh, just boneless buffalo wings. Uh, no, thank you. And I'll have, uh, I'll just have the loaded potato skins. Yeah. Thank you. We apologize if the music's too loud in here, but this is where we decided to come tonight. The options are, we're finding out the options are limited when <laughs> Purdue does not have noon games. That's true. <laughs> Although... There, there's there's a few more choices from a 3:30 game. Yeah. <laughs> last time, last time we had 
multiple choice, A or B. <laughs> a had a line, B did not. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, uh, we saw some changes there. I think uh, there was a, the one play drive where uh, Mackey got uh, burned on the double move yes. and the guy was wide open. And we saw uh, Jordan, uh, Rucker, Jordan came Rucker came in. Uh, so, and, you know, Jeff also alluded in the press conference that, you know, Kenneth Major will get back out there, Mackey will get back out there. But now you've created some competition, more competition at that position where it's just not uh, set in stone. And. You know, that's one thing that he's tried to do uh, through the through his years here is get some competition in there, get guys to play hard all the time. And you know, they they did some good things late, but it was too late. But it's just you just wonder where this defense is at. Now, granted, you don't have Marcus Bailey, you don't have you haven't had Lorenzo Neal, and coming into the year, this was supposed to be your most experienced most experienced group with Bailey and Neal. But you haven't had Neil for four games, and you're playing your second game without Bailey. So there is there is a, a reason why maybe they've, they've fallen off a little bit. But th- this defense has to be better. And with the potential injury situation on offense, where although Jack Plummer did look good, he looked better, looked more comfortable, used his feet, did get Purdue in the end zone, you know, after he came in, yeah. unlike the TCU game, this defense is going to have to carry the load, in right. my opinion. They can't give up 38. They can't give up 400 yards no. passing. You still have Derek Barnes. You still have, you know, George Karloftis is a freshman, but he's more than a freshman. He's he's uh, expected to do a lot more, and, and he had some sacks today, and, but you need other guys to step up, um, you know, just uh, Ben Holt, I think, has been the guy kind of carrying the load. He's making a lot of tackles, but... It's that second level where he's making some of those tackles, and so that's already... Well, they're, they're eight yards and nine yeah, yards down the field, and you, you, you've got to get them two or three yards, and you've got to get your defensive line, uh, other than George, to, to get some penetration. And, you know, yeah, they're up against the offensive line that weighs 1,700 pounds, and it's a difficult chance, difficult uh, uh, challenge for them, but... You know, Penn State's offensive line won't weigh 400, no. it won't have 1,700 pounds, but they're better than Minnesota. But George said the exact thing after the game. He said they they were a good offensive line, but they're not the best offensive line we've faced so far, which I assume is TCU. And he said we, they won't be the best <laughs> offensive line we faced the rest of the way, which is, is true. So, you know, you can't just say, hey, they have these big guys and say, okay, that's our excuse. You right. have to say, we did not perform well, which is what they did. Uh, Navon Mosley said it was just some issues where guys weren't doing their assignments and you know four games into the season that's unacceptable well i mean the other thing you start to look at too is this a scheme issue is this a fundamental issue is this a technique issue with with your cornerbacks and your safeties and taking bad angles i mean you there's no one reason why it happened the way it happened today there's always multitudes of, of reasons and if you don't get pressure, your secondary is hung out to dry a little bit longer. But if you use bad technique in the back half, it doesn't matter how much pressure you get because the guys are going to run well, run no, by you. No quarterback should ever be 21 of 22 in a college football game. I don't care who you're playing against. Right. You know, that's uh, you know the best all-state quarterbacks in high school going against winless teams don't go 21 of 22. So right. that, I think Tanner Morgan moved into the, the uh, Heisman Trophy uh, conversation <laughs> today. Now, he won't be there for long, but he moved, he moved into it today based on uh, his performance. He'll get a 
a star or a helmet sticker or whatever, and he should. I mean, he was he was he was pinpoint today, but he also had wide open receivers. He was throwing slant routes to guys who were running 60 yards after the catch. Right. Yeah. I mean, they they have a and uh, you know I think I knew this coming into the game that they had a they had a good core group of wide receivers, three really good receivers that if uh, Morgan got the time that uh, those guys were probably going to have a chance to make some plays, and they did. And it really didn't – it came off their run game a little bit. So, I mean, you wonder if Purdue – although Jeff said we knew what they were going to do, but I think every coach says that. Uh, you wonder if they came in more focused on try, trying to stop the run on that first drive and kind of got sucked up in some of the, the read option stuff and the RPOs that, that Minnesota ran that Minnesota kind of switched it up and saw a weakness an ob- a weakness somewhere in Purdue's defense and wanted to attack it. Right, no, Tanner Morgan was not doing drop-back passes. He was play-action or, you know, the, the run option was there and just was pulling it out and hitting, hitting open men. Um, and, you know, you think after seeing the TCU film, they're going to work for two weeks on stopping the run. Minnesota has uh, had a field day running the ball against Purdue in the past. I think they had three guys on their current roster who have had 100-yard games. Yeah, now it's a now it's seven straight games in the series that Minnesota has had a hundred yard rusher against Purdue. I thought Wisconsin was the only team to do that, but I mean you go back. Uh, I think you go back to 2012. They didn't play in 13, but 2012 and every year since then, uh, Minnesota has produced a hundred yard rusher. And the three backs they use today all have had a hundred yard rushing games against Purdue. Yeah, that's that's not good. So, I mean, it's understandable that you want to stop the run first, but you don't do it at the expense of having a pass defense whatsoever, which is what ended up happening today. But now, you know, now the question is, they've had two games without Marcus Bailey. Is this who they're going to be defensively? Yeah, I mean, they they gave up. You got to remember, even with Bailey on the field against Nevada, they gave up a lot of yards late, especially late in that game, and even against Vanderbilt, uh, they they gave up. Uh, they gave up a lot of passing yards, so you know there, there's there's some difference, but is is it a big enough difference that can can this get straightened out? And that you know that's that's the question. I, I don't know if it gets straightened out next week because of who they're playing. Right. What that what Penn State did to Maryland uh, on Friday night, 59 to nothing. In case somebody missed that, missed that uh, rough roughing the Maryland Terrapins on their home field game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the question is, can, can this defense get better? Can they can they improve enough to keep to keep, uh, to keep keep them in the game so the offense does have a chance to, to put up some points? Yeah, uh, and they're playing young guys. I understand that. They're playing guys who now haven't had a whole lot of experience. But at some point in the season, that's not an excuse anymore. Um, and you talk about guys like Kenneth Major. He's played a lot of football at the college level despite being a sophomore. Um, so these are, are guys that, you know, you, you lean on your seniors. Uh, you lean on, you know, a Mosley or you lean on Barnes or somebody who's who's been there a little bit longer. But those guys have now played four games at least. Uh, some of them maybe less with, with the injuries and uh, trying to mix and match things. But uh, you're halfway, almost halfway through the season now. And you're talking about we're in Big Ten play. Um, you know, if you still want to make a bowl game, which is looking less and less likely, less and less likely every single time they step out on the field, um, you got to start winning. And now you're really behind the eight ball, where you've got to beat some some teams that nobody expects you to beat. And, and Purdue's done that, but you know, it's it's just not a situation right now where you think 
our offense has to go out and score 40 to win the game, that's a possibility. But you wondered, you know, should they have brought more pressure or tried to bring more pressure? And, you know, it's easy to sit here, you know, a few hours after the game and and, and, and say that. So, but something needs to change because you just can't let a quarterback sit back there and, and, and pick you apart the way the way that happened. If you're not going to get the pressure with front four, then you've got to... You've got to figure out another way to get some pressure, and if that means leaving leaving your secondary uh, in a in a man-to-man spot or playing more press coverage, then 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 you've got to take some chances. And you know, Jeff said it after the game; they just got to cut it loose or whatever he said. Swing uh, for the fences, I think. Swing for the term. fences. And in baseball, that really doesn't work. Playing harder in baseball doesn't. You know, right. you don't squeeze the bat; it doesn't make you get a hit. Baseball is about execution. Football is about playing harder, and but it, it's also about execution. But uh, they they do they you know they have to figure out ways to to make another offense uncomfortable. And when you look at their games that they played, they did that for three quarters against Nevada, and they they bottled up uh, Vanderbilt to a point where they had control of the game. But obviously TCU was not uncomfortable running the ball down their throat and uh, and today Minnesota was not uncomfortable throwing the ball and you know Penn State is probably the best offense they're going to face this season yeah maybe all years <laughs> well, it won't be all year but it'll be the, it'll be up to this point and uh, so you know at, at some point you're, you're just dealt with the personnel you have the roster is what it is and you you've got to deal with it and you've got to make them play you got to make them better and those these some of the young players will get better as time goes on uh, but, you know, they're just at a point right now where, uh, you know, the injuries are, are, are definitely hurting them, but they're part of the game and you got to move on and you've got to fill those spots and you've got to get, you've got to get better play out of, out of this defense in general, especially with, uh, where I think, you know, although we did see a running game today from the offense and, you know, Jack Plummer was more comfortable there's going to be, I think, more growing pains right. with the Kirk, the, the, the way the offense is right now. I don't, I don't think today. When I, I looked it up, we've got 370 yards after Sindelar and Moore left the game, but I don't think that's something you count on every week. You know, uh, you're not going to have David Bell, Jackson, Anthrop, and King Daru leading you to 400 yards of offense in three quarters every week. Um, it, you know, it, it happened today, and you know, it, that's a credit to them because you lose Rondale and they. Know, don't have a lot of time to, to guess plan on the fly so much but uh, you know just uh, I guess having a running game helped and that was definitely a focus you could tell that they tried to run the ball more and they tried to do they opened some big holes I think in the second half for King Daru but um, it's it's not going to be like that I think David Bell is maybe a guy like that I don't know if you know Jackson answer is not going to catch seven balls every week um, or, you know, guys, I guess... Well, he may guys, have to if Rondell's not there. <laughs> he, he might, but, you know, Milton Wright's going to have to step up or, um, you know... T.J. Sheffield is a guy that probably is... Probably if Rondell's out for an extended period of time, yeah. T.J. Sheffield probably is a guy that gets a few more reps. Yeah, and uh, for all the talk of, you know, what they're going to do with the running game and maybe moving Jackson Answer back there, um, I think people took that the wrong way, thinking he was going to be the tailback getting the handoffs and no you can put him in the backfield and not run the ball with him well I think I think the plan with him was okay let's put him back there he might get three carries well but he's a he's a tough runner he's got a lot of toughness to him uh he does have some speed he 
He's extremely experienced at running back. He, he has a knack for the game, and as all the Antrips did have a, you know, they, they all had a knack for the, for the sport that they were the best at. I don't think anybody can deny that. So you're putting a guy back in there that can hit the hole. But, you know, when, when King Daru was having his success, there's no need to put Jackson back there anymore right. because you, you've got you've got your guy. And to me, what was interesting, what Jeff Rom said about the running game, even though they they did more than what they've done probably in the first three games combined, that he was a bit frustrated because they had to spend all week trying to come up with some sort of smoke and mirrors run right. design game even to get to this point because the offensive line is such in, in, in a in not in a good spot right now and they uh, but they're going to have to do that every week they have to come up with creative ways they're going to have to go smoke and mirrors to try to move the ball especially on the ground but probably now without Sindelar for you know getting the you know Getting, getting David Bell in promising situations, getting Jay Sheffield in promising situations, getting Milton Wright. And, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I was Did the tight ends catch a pass today when, when Bryson Hopkins wasn't throwing up? Uh, even when he, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure they were even targeted. That, that may have been targeted once that I can re- recall off the top of my head. I don't know if they had the targets on the stat sheet. They usually have them on the computer. Uh, on the on the stat program, I know on that the uh, they threw one pass to Durham, uh, to Payne Durham. They may have thrown one to Hopkins too. Um, they, I, I'm pretty sure they threw one to Hopkins. The deep one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Threw a deep ball downfield to him, but uh, they weren't targeted a lot, and it seemed like those routes in the middle of the field were going to, to Jackson Antwerp. Right. And you know, again, we don't know what the play call was. We don't we don't know those situations. We're not going to claim to know what they were trying to do, but. Um, this is an offense now that you know has to use all of its its resources. Yeah. I mean, it can't, and it had to with Sindelar, but now it's even pressing that um, that, that that they get everybody involved. And, you know, and I think you saw some of uh, maybe some of the creative things that Jeff Bromden did when you know did today with uh, you know the swing passes to the running backs out of the backfield. With uh, the touchdown to Horvath, which is a play we I, I don't believe we uh, that I've seen in the first three weeks, so that was something new, and you know that's going to be up to the coaching staff to find situations like that that they haven't done yet, where when they get in the right spot, they're they're able to exploit that and take advantage and, and get and get a touchdown and get in the end zone. And uh, going back to, to King Daru, he made some guys miss too. There were times where he thought he was swallowed in the backfield. And he spins out of it or bounces off of a guy. So I think that's something people expected to see of him when he committed here. And you look at what he did in high school and how many stars he has. If you get caught up in that sort of thing, which fans tend to do. Um, and then he wasn't playing a whole lot. And then wasn't getting yards when he was playing. And uh, today, you know, people probably feel a lot better about having that guy there. Um, but, you know, what, what were they doing that's, um, you know, whatever they did today is going to show up on film. And Penn State's going to say, hey... This is how they're getting their their running yards, and uh, imagine they're going to plan for that. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I mean that, that's that's you know and that's just the way it works. You know, the, the Penn State will see the success and try to take it away, and and while also trying to bottle up what else is out there on on Purdue's offense. But uh, you know, with Jack Plummer, uh, as 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 I've mentioned before, I just thought he was more comfortable today. I mean, I think the TCU game experience really helped him. 
Uh, he, you know, he failed a lot in that game, uh, but he used his feet today, used his legs, uh, threw on the run a little bit. Uh, one thing they're not doing with him that they do with Sindelar is throw the ball deep as much. Right. Uh, there were a couple, couple passes that they tried to stretch the field with, but for the most part. You know, it's not, I wouldn't call them short passes, but they're more intermediate. I would I would classify them as more intermediate routes. And, uh... Oh, spins and spins? That's it. Uh, oh. Okay. Over here. okay. Yes, you just told me that. All right. Thank you. Thank Couple you. Do you guys need those? All right. Yep. Enjoy. Thank you. Sam going with the wings tonight. I am going with the wings. Uh, Are they hot? I don't hot, know hot, yet. Hot? I haven't bitten into one yet. But, um, well, I didn't know if you ordered them hot. I can't remember if you ordered them hot. I don't remember. <laughs> but have, anyway, I like, I, you know, I think, you know, obviously Plummer is the future quarterback for this, yeah, uh, for this program. Now, the other, the other question, and this is a sidebar to this whole day, Sindelar does have his sixth year in his pocket, and if he's done for the year or can't play again right where do they go where do they go with that and that's uh you know that's a question for down the line but it's something that will probably need to be thought about once they determine the extent of the injury and how long uh, he'll be out but you know stick uh, i want to stick the plumber right now but i you know i thought he did some good things he was i think he, obviously he was helped by the running game having a running game allows him to run some play he was action. the running game at yeah, times yeah but he was allowed to uh, sit in the pocket maybe a little bit longer than he did against TCU. wasn't wasn't flushed no. out as much. Uh, they were able to run some play action and, and maybe stretch the field on a few occasions. But um, they, they they just they've got to get better. And we and we know the elephant in the room is the offensive line. And they, he brought they, that up today in the, in the post game press conference. He's going to bring it up every day. He he brings it up every day because he knows. It's the problem, and everybody knows it's the it's the problem. Although, as you mentioned, I mean, and I, and I did, you know, and I I saw it too. They had they had some bigger holes than what they had the first three games in running the ball. Um, and I, I I didn't check. You know, Jack was sacked what two times or once. You know, Plummer was sacked once. Plummer was sacked once, and Elijah was sacked on the play that he got hurt. <laughs> right. So, um, so the, you know, I, I think. The offensive line held up to a point where, you know, how they grade out, I have no idea, but they, they held up to a point where Purdue was able to get some points on the board, unlike the TCU game. And I think that, you know, that's a, you know, at some point you just have to, instead of trying to wish for more, you just got to, okay, this is who, this is who we have. And we've got to, you got to figure out each, each week how they can be productive for you. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of, you know, the mindset I think they need to take. You know, what what can the offensive line do this week to help produce course and points? Well, and, and I agree with what you said. I actually, when I was doing my grading, uh, grading this game, which Sam you can was find the on big grader today. JCOnline.com. Uh, <laughs> I said the best thing that, that came out of that TCU game was Jack Plummer played a game at quarterback. And today looked like a totally different guy. He looked, like you said, he was comfortable. Uh, the game wasn't too quick for him. Uh, he scrambled a lot and, and made first downs when there was nothing there. He uh, threw the ball away. He, you know, he did things you expected an experienced quarterback to do. 
after having just one game under his belt. So uh, that was the really, I guess, the takeaway from TCU because nothing else went right that day. Uh, now you take this going forward, if Cindelar is out for an extended period of time, which I think based on what Coach Brown said, we all expect is the case, um, you think he's just going to get better and better. Um, if Rondale's out, uh, he's going to get more and more comfortable with these guys. And this line, at some point, is, is going to have to be not the reason that they're they're not be able to run the ball or, or you know why the quarterback is getting hit so much or whatever it is. Um, I imagine Coach Brown being what he what he is is going to matriculate some kind of way that uh, is adaptable to each team on the schedule. You know he's going to watch film just like we talked about. Penn State's going to do whatever they can to take away what Purdue was successful at. He's going to see what they do and say, hey, we're going to have to block this differently or we're going to have to run this play differently. And, he's, you know, that's why he's had some success here is he does things that are kind of quirky or out of the ordinary that you can't just predict what they're going to do and this is what we have to stop. Right. Now, big picture-wise, Purdue's in a rut. If you go back to last year, and I, I wrote about it uh, you know, yesterday and it was in today's paper, but just – since they lost to Minnesota last year, they're now two and six, and Minnesota is seven and one. So you have two programs that's trending. Uh, they're trending in different. Yeah, we're doing great. Thank you. Uh, you have two programs that are trending in a different a different direction uh, for for a variety of reasons. Produce injuries obviously have played a role, but not the only reason why. But the program is in a, in a bit of a rut and. I'm not sure it's going to get out of it this year based on who's available <laughs> to play. No. I mean, when you look just in the, when you when you just focus on this season, they need five wins to get to a bowl game. What is their path to a bowl game? Do they have one? I I don't see it happening. No. <laughs> you know, maybe if they go beat Penn State, we're reevaluating everything. Right. Um, you know. Uh, Kind of speaking about the two programs going in different directions, uh, if you put these two coaches in, in the other program, as, as Jeff Brom sitting at 7-1 in his last eight games, and you know, you know, you don't know. It's just scenarios, and there were people who wanted P.J. Fleck in West Lafayette and wanted to throw all the money at him. And, Hopefully uh, those people no longer <laughs> wish that. But, yeah, I think there are circumstances that are out of out of Jeff Brom's control, and, you know, he, he did kind of admit that we patched things up the last couple of years with grad transfers on the line and stuff, and there were some guys that they went after in the offseason that had they come here, maybe things would be a little bit differently, and um, those guys aren't here. And he's never been one to say, you know, you know, if we had this and this and this, he doesn't make excuses. And if they don't have Rondale or Elijah Sindelar going forward, he's not going to blame that on the reason they don't do well the rest of the season. Um, it's just not who he is. Um, but the reality, as you said, it is they have these guys and, and they got to make it work because – can't add guys in mid-season. This is what you have. So um, you, know, you make it work, or your season's just going to get more and more uh, depressing, I guess, uh, if you keep losing these games. Yeah, and you know, no one—I mean, no one's going to pick them to win at Penn State. You get Maryland after that, which you know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, we've—I've seen—we've seen Maryland roll over an inferior opponent like Howard, score 79 points, but then get this taken to the woodshed by Penn State. So, um, you know, that, that that potentially could be a game Purdue wins. They go to Iowa. Brahms had Iowa's number the first two years, but that doesn't mean he'll have the number this year. You get Illinois at home, which oh, looks on a lot paper better. is 
you know that that's that would assuming that you're still in you're in your current state from a health standpoint you know that would seem be one that you could get but then you know you got nebraska you got northwestern you got wisconsin you got indiana to finish it out um, they're gonna need to beat some people they shouldn't um, and not that they can't but the current state of the team or where they're at just doesn't offer at least today that kind of that kind of promise so you know the goal may be and this is not to cast this season aside it's just you got to get young guys as much playing time as possible and if if guys are equal like in the secondary between an older guy and a younger guy you just got to bite the bullet and go with the younger guy and uh and, and hope that leads to something down the road. Yeah, they've got a lot of young guys on the field right now, and that does bode well. You know, it's a big picture. This is the bigger picture where you're talking about a year or two years down the road. Um, do you really have something? But you know, this class that came in this year had a lot of big-time recruits in it. Um, those are guys that you know are going to ideally take your program to the next level and help you for the next 10 years. Um, that's the hope. And they've got the guys in the 2020 class that are going to come in and play as well. Yes. I mean, they've got some immediate help there. But the biggest need is on the offensive line, and Purdue's going to have to recruit grad transfers. I mean, they just have to. It's going to have to be part of their DNA in recruiting. They didn't, you know, as Jeff said today, first two years they got, you know, he didn't mention them by name, but David Steinmetz at right tackle. And then Dennis Edwards played guard. Well, that helped piece the offensive line together. You didn't get you didn't get one this year when they thought they were going to get one, but they didn't get one. And this is what you have. But they they've got to be active in that market. They're going to have to live in that neighborhood. And if that's how they have to do it, then that's how that's how they have to do it. If, if it's uh, it's not ideal, you'd like to recruit guys, get them in here, develop them, and then keep a pipeline going. But the way that the way players are, are moving around these days, you've got to jump in there and and, and do it, and you've got to, and you've got to get guys. That's the thing. You've got to get guys, and um, however you, you know, whatever whatever they're allowed to do, they need to they probably need to do it to get an up to get this offensive line to a point where it's matching the talent level that you have at the at other at your skill positions. Yeah. And at, at the Big Ten level especially, you don't get guys out of high school that come in and play as freshmen on the offensive line typically. Um, it is a position where you really develop guys and typically you have to put weight on them um, and, and get them stronger for the college level. Uh, guys are a lot quicker, guys are a lot stronger at this level, so getting an 18-year-old and plugging him in right away, maybe that's not the answer either. Right. Um, and they just don't have... This is, the, I guess, the position that's the holdover from the previous coaching era that they never have really kind of got going on, on the right track. Well, I mean, like today, Minnesota came with a three-man rush and almost sacked a quarterback. Yes. And, you know, those those kind of things, you got you got to stop. And I, I don't know if they'll get stopped this year, but they did rotate more guys on the, on the offensive line and should mention that backup D.J. Washington left the field couldn't put any weight on his left leg. He was carted off. And so a guy that you were counting on maybe to, to work in the rotation the rest of the year, his status now is is up in the air. And uh, you don't have a lot of bodies there to begin with. You don't have a lot of quality bodies there to begin with. And 
and now you've taken a you've taken a hit in an in, a, in an area that's already weak and probably made it a little bit weaker. And so it's a you know it's a tough dilemma to be in. You know there was some you know a little bit higher expectations this year. I think I, I you know I from my standpoint I just I look for the program just kind of move forward a little bit. You know maybe at the end of the year you're not playing for you already have your sixth win by the time you play Indiana. And that's a that's a game to improve your bowl position. That's not going to happen now. Uh, they've had too many injuries. Uh, they're playing a lot of young guys. Uh, if it does happen, that's that's a be a tremendous credit to a lot of people. But you know, this is probably going to be a year of, of angst in some ways. But it's also it's also shaping up to be a year that could offer some promise down the road. Right. Uh, I agree with that. And- you know what you hope doesn't happen, and I think in some ways already is a little bit. And and people may need to temper their expectations. Is I think Joe Tiller became a victim of his own success because he had such success right away, and then when he didn't maintain that over you know a decade, and you're still going to bowl games and things like that, and that's who Purdue was. Um, but they they wanted you know off that Rose Bowl, they wanted more, they wanted more, and Brown comes in here with a program that's really struggling to win any games and go to back-to-back bowls and then you think this is the year we we turn the corner and um, you know maybe that happens without the injuries but um, you're right the guys who are playing now are going to be around for two and three more years and when they're juniors and seniors they're going to be the most experienced guys in the Big Ten probably um, and you just hope that pays off all right well we're going to wrap it up here uh, on this Saturday night and uh, and and Sam's going to eat some wings hopefully they're not fire-breathing uh, wings that uh, causes some sort of uh, uh, combustion uh, at some point, either uh, here or later at night when he's when he's trying to sleep. Hopefully you're driving the car home with the windows up. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Boilers Extra Post Game uh, Broadcast. Purdue on the short end tonight, 38-31. They they did have a chance. You got to give them credit. They 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 fought they fought back. Had a chance. You know, probably a little bit of ticky-tack uh, uh, pass interference call at the end that would have gotten Purdue the ball back uh, late in the game. But you can't get down by as many as they got down and expect to expect to win the game the way the way it played out. So, all right, uh, more coverage at JC on, jconline.com. Uh, Sam's got his grading the boilers. Uh, my column's up there. Uh, sidebar on uh, the bad day for the defense. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, some stuff about what happened to Rondell Moore and Elijah Sindelar. Purdue's at Penn State next week. Uh, check back next week, and uh, we'll have uh, probably a, a preview of the Penn State game with uh, hopefully somebody that covers Penn State. And uh, they'll tell us fascinating things about uh, the Nittany Lions and what they have uh, going on. So, again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>